And welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by my good pal, Richie Von Sexington. How's things, Richie? Good. It feels like an eternity since we last did this. It feels like an absolute age. Yeah, it's been a long time and it feels like a while since we watched these shows. So apologies in advance if my note reading's a bit dusty. Yeah, I uh, watched them after the rather, I would have said, unentertaining Super Bowl, but then I watched some of this wrestling, so <laughs> it's all relevant, isn't it? 100%. I'm, we're... It's the it's the first year I've ever stopped up to like watch it, I think, in uh, probably five, six years, and I had everything, hot dogs, beer, snacks, and by the end of it, I was just hoping to be put out of my misery. I actually um, watched the Super Bowl as well this year for probably the first time in four or five years. I went around and watched it with my brother, and it was daytime here, so I couldn't have beers. But I made nachos and took snacks and whatnot, and yeah, it was an uh, absolute dross of an affair, and I couldn't wait for the clock ticket to tick over to go and do school pickup and get the hell away from it. Uh, it reminded me of watching England, Germany, World Cup South Africa, I had got some beer, it was Sunday afternoon, I don't think I was at work the next day, and by half-time I was ironing my shirt, drinking a coffee, it was that bad. I wasn't even going to waste beer on it. World Cup South Africa was probably enough. <laughs> oh, that was a rough one. Not not, not a good time. Um, lightweight balls and Vevu Swalers, it um, yeah, was not a good combination. No. But we're not here to talk about every other sport from around the world. We're here to talk about professional wrestling and 1987 to be precise. And we did something stupid this time, Richie. We um, picked four shows to watch, didn't we? Yeah, the, the problem with 87 is you've got WrestleMania 3. Uh, I think every wrestling podcast in the world reviewed WrestleMania 3 and you've only got two choices. Say it's great and we all know it's great or you have to be the argumentative twat <laughs> who says it's not great. Everyone knows you're just being argumentative. WrestleMania 3 is just perfection as far as for every time. I think I've watched it last year. It's great. We're the only podcast I know of where you, you sort of have to watch two full shows before jumping on, which has been a deterrent at times and has uh, made things tricky with getting people watched, you know, sometimes six or seven hours of wrestling before being able to review. So, you know what we thought would be great? We'd double that. <laughs> Yeah, we we decided that the best thing to do is look at 1987 by reviewing four companies four? all on all on their arse. Yeah, well, a couple possibly about to shoot off and a couple about to die off. And those four shows, of course, are AWA's All Star Wrestling from the 21st, sorry, 25th of January 1987, NWA's Saturday Night from the 28th of November 1987. Saturday night's main event from June 3rd, 1987, and World Class Championship Wrestling's TV from the 26th of the 12th, 1987. So a varied mixed bag of the four companies across the year we picked, and we just tried to sort of get some stuff with some notable notable events to talk about, didn't we? Yeah, the uh, good thing was some of them actually clocked in under an hour. That, that, that was a major plus point in my book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the longer ones were a little bit more difficult, but um, some of the, well, I say that, but then I watched some of these shorter shows and struggled to get them through them in one go anyway. So which one did you actually watch first? I, I stupidly started with uh, WCW. Okay. Well, I think I started with um, Saturday night's main event, but I am more than happy to go to um, WCW or NWA first up. Should we head over there and have a look at what Saturday night had to offer 605 on TBS? Why not?
Alright, so NWA, as I said earlier, Saturday, November 28, 1987, starts with Ric Flair coming out to cut a promo with Tony Schiavone in front of the classic WCW set. Does it get any more WCW than this? Absolutely not. WCW is absolutely uh, epitomised, especially at this point, by what you can see on the screen. Yeah, it's just it's it's a beautiful. I, I I actually love this set. I've got a um a version for my figures that I've not cracked open and used yet, but look forward to that on Twitter and Instagram in the near future. Um, Tony Schiavone runs down the show and then brings in the television champion, uh, sorry, television champion Nikita Koloff, who cuts a crazy rusky fake promo. Is what I've written here. Oh, he's he makes literally no sense whatsoever. I'm, I'm uh, it's he it, it, it just rambles on. And and then that was it. Uh, I'm already fighting the urge to fall asleep after the uh, aforementioned Super Bowl I'd watched the night before, even when Nikita came in. You know what I'd do, Richie, if I had Americans impersonating Russians as characters on my show? Would you teach them how to speak Russian? Yeah, you could do, or just not put a live microphone in front of them for a long monologue. Either of those options work. I particularly like the WWE's current... Lana thing where she can't decide what accent she's got. She's like she's like Russian or mid-American. <laughs> she will decide upon it one day. Uh, the WCW arena here, um, and apologize, we're probably going to say WCW all the way through. I know it hasn't hit WCW yet, but if you listen to this show, you're probably not a stickler for amazing accuracy and detailed historical recounts. Um, not if they're listening to no. us too. Uh, so the arena is very small. It's just a studio with a couple of rows of seats around a ring. So it looks as though you've gone to your local gym and just stuck out as many foldable chairs as you could get people to bring. And it's um, it has got that classic sort of flag backdrop, though, which does give you some sort of... If you're an old WCW fan, it hits you in the feels a little bit, I guess. I, it's It was a bit of a shock. I wasn't expecting uh, basically... The, the uh, a room with some people in <laughs> yeah oh, and basically only like a couple of camera angles because you can't shoot backwards because they're obviously in a studio absolutely and then we go to our first match which is trent knight and larry stevens taking on the mullet express sorry the rock and roll express they were mullet spectacular right here it's not like they dropped the mullets at any point but this is prime mullet this is this is Quality mullet. Young mullet, baby. This is the mullet all the ladies wanted. <laughs> we start off with a nice double-team knee lift from the Express before Robert Gibson goes with a slam and a hip toss. Ricky comes in and hits a drop kick. Um, we get Tony Schiavone on commentary who calls NWA the major league in professional wrestling, so keep that in mind because we might hear it again from some competitors soon. Oh, it'll be uh, used pretty much by everyone who's not named Vince McMahon. Absolutely. We also get a good shot of the very small crowd of some old ladies absolutely swooning for the mulleted Rock and Roll Express. So um, they may have been young, but their core supporter group was not necessarily. Those ladies are definitely enjoying whatever those two can offer. It's it's a different time. <laughs> I can't see it myself. No, not for me. We're going to... One of them's got a worse eye than Shawn Michaels for a start. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> it's um, it's as if like Shawn Michaels. Um, I need to go and sort of hunter outdoorsy these days. But you know, Shawn Michaels, in you know, was was always quite a um, 
a fashionable dress up hot with the ladies guy and then his eye took over robert gibson is um the equivalent of that eye being whatever is going wrong with that eye taking over the entire body yep yeah, it's uh, once it starts it just slowly creeps through the body <laughs> he hits a nice snap mare and a backdrop and then they hit their finishing double drop kick for the one two three in what will be the first of many glorified squashes we talk about on this episode uh, yeah, I mean, I don't mind a squash. I hate ten-minute squashes. Just, just in, do something, get out. At least you can, uh, you get a bit of variety. And the rock and roll aren't exactly bad to watch. No, it's passable, wasn't it? We go into Jim Cornette, Big Bubba Rogers, aka the Big Boss Man, and the Midnight Express in the interview set. They cut a promo on the rock and rolls and Dusty Roads, and you know faces in general but Cornette as much as I like him as a promo guy this is him without any restraints and he just talks way too fast and says too many things for it to be a good promo in my opinion uh I didn't mind the promo but I can see where you're coming from he just it it is too much and it kind of takes the focus off who they're supposed to be feuding with because I think he has a pop at everyone yeah pretty much That'll take us to our first commercial, and when we come back, it's time to see the fabulous Freebirds taking on Gladiator 1 and 2. And if you ever wanted to know which team was losing in a match, it's the ones called 1 and 2. Yeah, it's it's pretty much wrestling rule 6. I, 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 I mean, I can't remember what it was now, but all I've got in my notes for, uh, for when the Freebirds come out is I haven't got a fucking clue what they are wearing. <laughs> I've got some notes on attire as we go on through, but the Freebirds I didn't pick apart on this one, so there you go. I mean, I think it makes more sense now when you see uh, old Doc Hendricks himself, uh, as I I, I learned uh, what he was called, how he dresses in normal life. But, uh, good God, it's it's, it's horrendous. (laughs) If if the Godfather's outfits were to be worn in real life by anyone, it could only be Michael P.S. Hayes. Yes, uh, and he's probably not... Really going to mention it to the Godfather because he got him suspended last time he uh, used fancy language. Oof. So the match starts off with Jimmy Garvin hitting a backdrop, and then um, we get a back elbow from Michael Hayes and a moonwalk. We get a headlock, and then Jimmy Garvin goes to work on the arm. Michael Hayes hits a slam and an elbow for a two. Jimmy Garvin hits a pair of slams, and then a brain buster for the one, two, three in another tag team squash, which was, again, short and fairly entertaining. So no complaints from me as we go to the next commercial. No, I did way out too. I mean, two tag matches in a row isn't uh, the greatest of pacing, but meh. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, from there, Shivani sends us to look at the a match. Sorry, look t- sends us to have a look at a cage match featuring Lex versus Dusty Rhodes, um, refereed by a very young-looking Earl Hebner. He's looking a bit like the um, dad out of that '70s show here. It's uh, certainly he's uh, he's not aged well. No. Well, though. And here, Dusty Rhodes wins the United States t- title in an epic encounter with Lex Luger. They then hold a press conference for Dusty Rhodes to say he might retire, which I will splice in here. I want to take this opportunity to, to thank Jim Crocker Promotions and the wrestling world throughout in the National Wrestling Alliance for tonight was a, a big moment in Dusty Rhodes' life. I want to say one thing, first of all, at this uh, post-game thing here, that Lex Luger is probably the greatest athlete in this country. 
and the lessons that he learned tonight with Dusty Rhodes, the legend himself, will go down in history and he will never make the mistakes again. Lex Luger will probably be unbeatable because as being in the ring on this occasion with him, he was at his best. He is a great, tremendous athlete. I'm as tired as I've ever been in 16 years of wrestling. I'm very tired. It comes time now to start thinking about laying this old body down. So I'm going to go home and think about it. And if Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, has to retire in 1988, then I thank God for the re relationship I've had with the public and with Jim Crockett Promotion. Thank you very much. Dusty Rhodes holding a press conference to say he's going to think about his future. Did he really need a press conference for that, do you think, Richie? No, it would seem to be another... It's something that's often aimed towards Dusty. Uh, is he's very good at being Dusty. What I particularly liked is uh, he's talking about retiring, and I, watch, I remember watching him wrestle in TNA in about 2006 or something. So, I mean, he's got a few years left. Oh, one or two. <laughs> we go to another commercial, and when we come back, it's time for Larry Zabisco taking on Bob Riddle. And before the match even starts, I just write, STALL! I, I was just waiting for the stalling, and, and he does not disappoint. Larry Zabisco wrestling is the equivalent of the Simpsons watching a game of football. Um, I, think, was it, well, I can't remember what episode it was, but where they're watching like Mexico play someone in football and the commentator just goes, yep. holds it, holds it, holds it. That's Larry Zabisco's matches in a nutshell. Come on, you schnorris, do something. Halfback passes to the center, back to the wing, back to the center. Center holds it, holds it, holds it. Halfback passes to center, back to wing, back to center. Center holds it, holds it, holds it! I can't bear this any longer. I'm leaving. Passes out, passes back, <laughs> passes to the goalkeeper, holds it, passes it forwards. Oh, <laughs> Tony Schiavone on commentary begins to talk about the bunkhouse stampede and a little part of me dies inside. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just a stab in the heart. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I will never watch that again. Um, while all this is going on, Larry Zabisco, of course, is stalling. Eventually, he wakes up from his coma, hits a suplex and a neck breaker for the one, two, three, um, and they go to some clips of showing Larry Zabisco defeating Barry Windham um, by cheating. Um, Tim Horner came out to uh, to tell the ref, and they reversed it. So. That was that. Uh, we go to a commercial, and then it's time for Tony Schiavone with Ric Flair, who at this point in time is just a five-time world heavyweight champion. So that helps age this show a little bit, hey? I was surprised by that. The, the fact that he goes from five to... Oh, I'm going to have to hand me wrestling badge in. 16. You're correct. Uh, in about 10 years, is pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. We then get footage of... Um, his cage match with former world heavyweight champion rugged Ronnie Garvin um, at a classic Ric Flair promo before going into the, the commercial. So that was not a, not too bad of a segment in fairness, but the Larry Zabisco stalling. Ric Flair is one of those uh, uh, that when you go back and watch him in his prime, actually he does stand up to the test of time, I find. 
Absolutely. I think a few people don't, but I think I think Ric Flair, you just, it's just it always works. Yeah, I've got to give him his props. He um always stood out above the pack, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I know it's like saying WrestleMania three is good, but yeah, Ric Flair's just it just I think it translates through the. I know some of his language is a little bit probably not allowed. Uh, nowadays, I'm, I'm certain he wouldn't be allowed to call himself uh, the oldest ride in the park, <laughs> but uh, or uh, his infamous "making virgins bleed" line from uh, Raw. But <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, still still can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Next contest is Sting taking on David Isley. Sting has a wicked blonde rat's tail, and referee Teddy Long is rocking a dirty scullet. So. The hair styles on this show get better and better. That skull is disgraceful. <laughs> it's awful. Um, that's what I would officially call the pedophile's haircut. Yeah, yeah. All all it needs is the the atypical pedophile's uh, t shirt, and then he'd be sorted. <laughs> Doesn't quite cover the belly button. <laughs> oh, as I shudder. Um, <laughs> the match gets started with a hip toss and a slam by Sting, a missile drop kick, a suplex. And then an eye rake, which I found a bit weird from Sting. Um, I'm not sure if it was face or heel. I know this is very early into his run, but I just found that odd that he was raking a job as eyes. Well, ask Hogan whether a face can do it. Yeah, I guess so. On a side note, it's one of the crappiest moves. It it always reminds me when a wrestler does it of like crap, low-powered fighting game moves that, that just you can use to like disorient the other player and then you can hit him with another move or just or you just spam it it's like just that button that you keep hitting and it's just it drives me mad just like they it doesn't even look like they're doing anything you know what it reminds me of is um royal rumble on super nintendo that and the choke were the two dirty moves you could pull off when the ref got knocked down yeah yeah it's just i don't know i know you could argue a lot of the things aren't like the back rake probably isn't that painful but it's just the eye one just it's like just, I think they go, oh, what's to do now? Rake the eyes! It's too theatrical, isn't it? If you wanted to hurt someone's eyes, you'd just poke it. Yeah, you'd, you'd give them a Roddy Piper. Yeah. Sting comes back with a Stinger Splash and the Scorpion Deathlock for the submission victory as we go to a commercial. When we come back, Sting is with Tony Schiavone, who says he re- respects Ric Flair but wants a shot at him. Jim Crockett Jr. comes in and he's shocked by Dusty Rhodes' non-announcement. So there you go. Um, he was stunned by what Dusty said, and we said, "What did Dusty say?" And Dusty didn't really say anything. Yeah, so it was a whole lot of people asking what Dusty was doing. It's it's a lot like Poochie again to use the Simpsons. <laughs> if Dusty isn't in the scene, make sure somebody's talking about Dusty. He's gone to a planet far, far away. <laughs> um, when we come back, it's time for the Midnight Express taking on, who are the US Tag Champions, by the way, taking on Thunderfoot 1 and 2, and skip back about 10 minutes in this episode, and you know who's losing by the fact that two of them are named 1 and 2? I mean, this is, I said there was two tag teams in a row, but now they've two tag team matches in a row, but now they've got two tag teams with the same frigging gimmick. Yep, and... um. Midnight Express come out with Jim Cornette and Big Bubba Rogers. And I don't know about you, Richie, but this kind of threw me as to what the hell kind of studio this was because Jim Cornette appeared to join the commentary team but then was back at ringside and was on commentary again. And I realised Tony Schiavone must be just off camera um, in that same room in the studio, which kind of threw me. I never really thought of it like that. 
No, I always assumed he was in a booth somewhere. It's either that or Jim Cornette can teleport, which seems unlikely because Vince Russo is still alive. <laughs> well, at first I thought it may have been like, he may have been commentating in post-production, but the fact that he leaves the commentary booth to go and interfere and then goes back makes me think he must have been able to just walk between the two. Yeah, there's no way that WCW is that slick yeah. to do post-production uh, stuff like that. They'd, they'd have left something in that would have... It had been talking while he was out there or something. They, they couldn't have resisted it. Yeah, referring to himself at ringside. Yeah. Bobby Eaton um, starts us off with a back suplex and a hip toss. Um, we get a back elbow and a slam from Stan Lane. Um, Jim Cornette didn't join uh, put here. Apparently Jim Cornette didn't join commentary He just went on a long tirade and came back um, Stan Lane hits a back elbow um, And then no wait He's back on commentary post-production I don't know what's going on so weird uh, We've already talked about all this so I'll skim over it um, Stan Lane locks on an abdominal stretch Which is just what you need in a squash match Bobby Eaton hits a clothesline And they go to their finish the double flapjack For the Uno Dos Trace and pick up the victory Yeah I mean, uh, so far, I mean, none of the wrestling was like the pits besides maybe Larry, but uh, I think at this point I was starting to zone out a little bit because it was the third tag match that didn't really mean anything. Yeah, it was a, it was a little bit of tag squash overkill here. Excuse me. And um, Jim Cornette and all the rest of them joined Tony Schiavone. Um, it looks like they just walked over. So yes, that confirmed it. Um, my notes still say I'm confused, but we've explained since. Cornette cuts another promo and we go to a commercial break. So there you have it. We've had a lot of Jim Cornette on the microphone on this episode. None of it classic, but you can see he's definitely heading towards the character we all know and love. It's definitely a work in progress at this point. Lex Luger then comes out with J.J. Dillon. They join Tony Schiavone, and we get a decent promo from Lex, a little bit too long. Um, he strips and shows his body, but it wasn't too bad for a young Lex here. I thought he, he made a good name for himself on this one. No, no. I, I, I'm Lex Luger, he, uh, he causes me issues because I kind of grew up... Well, I, I watched the Attitude Era, and I didn't really watch WCW. So... Pretty much, I've been told my entire life that Lex Luger is the drizzling shit. But every time I see him, I'm like, oh, hold on, he's he's not that bad. He's it's in in when you like you're watching him on Nitro, uh, night ninety six ninety seven, mm-hmm. like the crowd's ridiculously hot for him. His wrestling isn't as bad as everyone makes out. His promo's not great, but he you know if you give him the words, he uh, he he generally gets them out relatively well. It's just uh, one problem is that here. his T-shirt's too tight. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> his T-shirt is too tight. Super Brawl Sunday. <laughs> no, I actually agree with you. I'm obviously watching 96 at the moment, and Lex is brilliant. He's walking the line between heel and face magnificently. Um, his character work's amazing. His wrestling's decent. And, um, yeah, he's been one, possibly the highlight of the show for the last couple of months of Nitro that I've watched. Yeah, that... Uh, that- bit with Sting and, and Luger's really, really actually quite clever. But but you need Lex to be able to do that bit. It'd be too easy for Tim to screw it up and he, he does really well. I'm, I'm, it does conflict me. But uh, yeah, yeah just Lex is a, just one of those that, that actually the wrestling history on him is wrong. You know, I don't think the Miss Elizabeth stuff particularly helps him, but I think, uh, you know, overall, I think he gets a bit of a hard... Hard time to old Lex. Agree completely. 
From here we go to, it's um, Dr. Death taking on Tommy Angel. Um, Dr. Death starts us off with a couple of hip tosses, a drop kick, a backdrop, and a clothesline, then a press slam and a three-point stance tackle, followed by a running power slam for the one, two, three in a big squash. The doctor then goes over to have a chat to Tony Schiavone, and the promo's not a lot better. No, I, I, I trust Jim Ross's eye for wrestlers generally, but uh, the hard-on he had for Dr. Death... I really don't understand. I don't really know how it um kind of came to be. Like, I think if it was just JR who thought he was great, everything would have dried up for him. But enough people seem to believe it over the years. And I never, ever got the fascination with Dr. Death. He just didn't do it for me. No, no, it was... I don't think he's a great promo. I'm, I'm His wrestling style's not one that really gets me. So it's not really... It's a bit smash mouth, but it's not. It's not great. Uh, I don't think he's got that interest in a look, but I think I think he's one of those that uh, was really really popular over in Japan because you know, like Stan Lane, Patriot. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm not sure it, it it translates that well for me. Anyway, the same as you, I guess. Yeah, it's just, I agree. I don't get it, and I certainly didn't understand what it was supposed to be doing in 1998 WWE. No, me neither. We come back. F- My favorite bit is when he comes out. Doesn't he come out wearing like a a jacket with uh, pads, uh, patches on the elbows, like looking like a geography teacher? If I remember <laughs> yeah, correctly, he does. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, we go. <laughs> we go to Tony Schiavone with rubbish, rubbish, Ronnie garbage, and he wants fame and money all back that he lost when he lost the title. Well, I've got some bad news for you, Ronnie. Um, that's as high as it's ever going to get for you. Yeah, shit is not getting better for you. No. I'm going to splice some of this promo in because it's quite funny um, because the Freebirds come in and he I didn't realise that Jimmy Garvin was the storyline brother of Ronnie Garvin and this whole promo with them all in there is just a bit of a train wreck. It did make me giggle legitimately. And that I know everyone was very... As world heavyweight champion to Ronnie, you're a great champion and not many men in this sport can say that they were world heavyweight champion. I know you... The hunt's not well, over. you know, Tony, I can tell you, I had a bad ankle, bad ribs, I had a fever, I had the flu. But I'm not going to use no excuse because I was perfectly healthy. I felt very good. What it was, it was a world's heavyweight title match, and it was fought as a world title match. Ric Flair fought the match of his life, so did I. The rest is history. But you see, Tony, once you have the taste of the gold, once you have the taste of fame, and the money. I'm gonna tell you, it's the best feeling, the greatest feeling in the world. And for that simple reason, I want it back. And I want it back more than ever, you see. When a football team loses at the Super Bowl, one thing they can do is they fire the coach, get new players, trade players. But in my case, I don't have a coach. I'm the only player. So what I have to do, instead of swimming five miles, I swim 10. Instead of running 10, I'm going to run 20. And instead of training for two hours a day, I'm going to train for four because, Ric Flair, i got a lot of respect for you. Congratulations. But I'm coming back. I'm coming back because I want it for the second time. Like I said, i got more desire than ever. It was the greatest inspiration. The greatest thrill of my life was to be the world's champion for two months. But I'm coming back. That's right. I'm very proud. 
because it was the best, the toughest, and the hardest match of my life. Ronnie, I don't mean to come out here and interrupt your interview, but I'd like to say this in front of the millions of people watching. I've been involved in a lot of big wrestling matches in my career. I've seen a lot of things happen in professional wrestling and all professional sports. And it seems that when the big thing comes up and it has all the hype, that usually, whether it be the Super Bowl, the seventh game of the World Series, the seventh game of the NBA Finals, the event does not live up to the hype. Brother, in my estimation, Starcade 87 lived up to it and more, and the match that you and Ric Flair had was history. I've never had that kind of feeling come over my body when I watched an event, a sporting event, that I wasn't even participating in. And I don't care what anybody says, I haven't known you that well. I have known Jimmy and Precious for a long time. My eyes, you're still the champion, and to use an old cliche, it's bad when somebody has to lose in an event and a contest like that. To me, you're still the champion, and thank you for a moment of history. But I want to thank you for something else, because you pointed out to not only me, Jimmy, and everybody in wrestling, Ric Flair is human. Ric Flair has vulnerabilities, and he has weaknesses. And Flair, I was there the night he beat you in Detroit. And I was there in Chicago, and P.S. has got their weaknesses and their vulnerabilities. So I know that you're after it again, Ronnie, but I am too, and I know you are. Well, you know, Michael, I just got a few things to say here to my brother Ronnie, and that is you went down in the history books, and what you did was not in vain. You proved to a lot of people, including Michael Hayes and myself, that not only yourself and me and Michael, the champ can be beat, Ric Flair can be beaten and also to thousands and thousands of people out there because I watched my brother train. I watched him start from the bottom and work his way up. Nothing is impossible. And there's a lot of young people out there that might have a lot of dreams and they might seem like they're far, far away. But like my brother did, he started from the bottom and he worked his way up and he became the greatest wrestling champion in the world. And as far as I'm concerned, Ronnie, you're still the champion in my heart, pal. It's your turn next, so Ric Flair, watch out, because I've got a brother. The Garvins will be heard again. We'll be put back on the map. We'll be put back at the top. And there's another man standing right there, so Ric Flair. <laughs> Good luck, pal. Ronnie Garvin, Michael PSA, Jimmy Garvin, and Precious. It's that rubbish that uh, it, it almost loops back on itself. <laughs> almost. Almost. From there, we go to our... Oh, no, it's not our main event. Sorry, I've just at the end of the page. We go to our next matchup, which is Ron Simmons taking on Rick Steiner. And I have to admit, when I was flicking through the um, matches, this was the one that excited me. Oh, yeah. Ron Simmons and Rick Steiner. I mean, this is a potato fest. The chips are on. <laughs> they're young and they're jacked and they're gassed. These are two big men right now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the epitome of the uh, beat em up where you've got the uh, average one, the fast one that's weak, and these two, these two are the one punch but can't move very quickly. These are the haggers. Yeah. We've got um, a headlock takedown from Ron Simmons to start the match. Rick comes back with a good back suplex. Ron hits a back elbow on a, um, a headlock takedown. Sorry, We go into a slugfest, which is quite cool, and then a commercial break. When we come out, Kevin Sullivan comes out and appears to recruit Rick Steiner. Ron clotheslines him, gets a two. Rick comes back with a power slam. Ron rolls him up for a two, and then Rick just hits him with a low blow and tosses Ron over the top rope for the DQ finish and leaves with Kevin Sullivan. So 
actually I was a little bit intrigued to see where that went. It was a nice little storyline, although I do have one slight question. Go for it. Kevin Sullivan, how? <laughs> I don't I don't understand how he made his name as a wrestler. It's 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 one I I don't I don't ever get. I didn't don't get it in ninety five, ninety six, uh when I'm in old WCWs and when he turns up on things like this, I just he's he's a short man in the time of giants. But wrestles like a big man type thing, and his finisher is he jumps on you, but he's not a giant. I just, I, and I don't even find his promos are what carry him, even though he's supposed to be. That's his thing. I just, I don't understand him. Sullivan, my son. That's an, that's that's enough for me. <laughs> Those Dungeon of Doom vignettes in the um, the not hot water running fountain are oh, just the best. I um, I forgive everything he ever did just for those. You you make a strong case for the uh, the accused. <laughs> we then go to yes, the spam slam, <laughs> and um, you're you're an Englishman, Richie. I'm sure you're familiar with the old. We've not been grocery shopping. It's spam chips and beans for dinner on a Sunday. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly some form of uh, tinned meat. <laughs> it's the um, Doctor Death press slam, which was cool, but um, I was just popped hard for the spam slam. <laughs> It's just like it's who they're aiming their product to are spam eaters. (laughs) Well, if you want to sit on a Saturday night and watch Ricky and Robert um, have old ladies swooning, you're probably also the kind of person that's having spam for tea. Yeah. Or at least thinking about having spam (laughs) for tea after you've just watched the spam slam. (laughs) Oh, man. We then go to Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson taking on Rocky King and Chance McQuaid. Um, another tag team squash coming up. You can probably figure out. We get some punches and a European uppercut from Blanchard and then a knee lift. Arn comes in, hits a knee drop and a spine buster and allows Tully to get the win with the slingshot suplex for the one, two, three. They are then joined uh, by Tony Schiavone and the rest of the four horsemen and JJ. We get a um, a decent um, promo from these guys. Lovely um, pre-bald spot do on Arn Anderson here. Um, he's still got a little bit of hair, old Arn, and he cuts a really good promo. Lex Luger looks like the odd man out in the group, and I think that's by design. It was subtle, but it was there. And um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed that segment. What did you think? Really good. Really made the uh, storyline move on. The uh, Arn promo is just is on point. Uh, I think I think it's very clever. Again, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been done before, but Arn's ability to be it look like a smash mouth, rough and ready wrestler, but then his promo is uh, articulate. He, he doesn't do shouting; he does he does the opposite. I think it makes his character a lot more interesting. The Lex stuff's uh, great. It's, it is like you say, subtle. Right uh, nowadays, there would be uh, a, it'd be pause and there'd be an arrow over the top of Lex's <laughs> head saying, "Not very happy," <laughs> and then. And then there'd be a pro, uh, uh, a poll on uh, Twitter. Is Lex happy? <laughs> You're absolutely right. And um, someone disgruntled would be on Twitter calling it all fake anyway, and no one would give a shit. Yeah, that's, that's how you sell your uh, your show. 
have one of the participants say, well, it's fake. And, and, and again, on the sideline, isn't this one of the things that uh, WCW were called out for, for the Steiner, Nash and Goldberg match, where they're all like, yeah, I'm not following the script? Yeah, pretty much. The, the WWE is actually turning into 2000 WCW. Yeah, it's a bit sad. But let's hope Kofi wins the belt and we get a feel-good moment and something to hang our hat on for this year. And then a shit feud probably with Kane. Yeah, probably. Tony Schiavone is now with the future IRS and he cuts a promo, but unfortunately he doesn't call me a tax cheat a single time, so I refuse to give a shit. Oh, Mike Rotundo only is interesting as IRS. I... Yeah. Uh, he- he he is instant Nyquil. He's he's one of those that manages to make a. He's only one of them people when you when you go start in a new firm and you go, oh, well, how long have you been here? And they go like, oh, twenty years. And then as you, as you get used to everyone, you you actually can't work out a what they do, b how they've been doing it for twenty years, and c how they're still getting paid. I I have I have to take you to task on that. I don't care what anyone says. I love me some IRS. <laughs> IRS, yes. Mike Rotundo, hell no. All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> we then go to our main event, and it's Mighty Wilbur and Barry Windham and Ricky Santana, no relation to Tito, I don't believe, taking on Ivan Koloff, the Warlord and the Barbarian. And we get a big six-man brawl to start. Uh, we get a snapmare from Ivan, some punches from Wilbur, a Barry Windham backdrop, Warlord misses a big splash by about two weeks, <laughs> and we get another six-man <laughs> brawl on the floor. Barry Windham hits a sleeper, but they brawl out of that again. Wilbur gets some um, chain gets gets a chain, sorry, and the heels run back in the ring. Barry Windham hits a vertical suplex. Barbarian hits a power slam for a two. Warlord hits a slam for a two, and the show ends with the match in progress. So yeah, the. First time we got some real interesting wrestling action with names we knew on both sides. They just cut it off at the end. It's uh, it's a classic WCW move. I cannot think of a time where I ever enjoyed a show ending with a match in progress. No. Uh, again, uh, having rewatched when they did it a lot in like the mid-90s, it's great the first couple of times. It makes you think that it's it's overrun and it's it's all anarchy, but then when it happens every week, it just becomes part of the norm, and you just think, well, why can't you organise your show better? This is a match, right, where it's got a few names I know, so I'm mildly interested in the main event, but it's not got enough storyline around it that I'm desperate to come back next week to find out what happened. No, I mean you sat there, you're, you're in a spam coma. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and and you just want to watch a, a nice six man tag, and uh, then then it goes off. You're not going to remember that. You're too busy, you know, thinking whether to get another can of spam. Yeah, and the answer is always yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're ever in that situation. So that'll do it for Saturday night. Did you enjoy it, Richie? Yes. It well, it wasn't boring. I think that's the important thing I I take away from these new. It's uh. It, it, the enjoyment level is different just because it was a different time so sometimes I always think it's a bit harsh but uh, it wasn't boring 
So I'd watch another one. Let's put it this way. If the network had automatically started the next one and I wasn't doing anything, I wouldn't have to dive for the remote. I'm um, actually, while we're on the subject of watching some more, we're going into 88, 89 coming up soon. I'm very, very interested to have a look at a clash of the champions up against the Saturday night's main event. So keep that in mind for the end of the show when we discuss what's next. We open up with a video package um, narrated by a Mark Lawrence, and we've got um, Percy Pringle, a blonde, in a Jimmy Hart-style jacket as the ma- a manager in this one. He's going to be managing Cowboy Tony. Apologize for my notes, because I don't know a lot of these people, and I've tried to narrate what I was seeing as best I could. Cowboy Tony's going to be taking off Jeff Rates. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I had... Uh... Uh, the first thing I couldn't get past is that uh, that meme of uh, my name is Jeff, whatever that is from. I can't remember. I think it's from uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, and the second one is why does a cowboy wear a singlet? <laughs> I don't really know. It just, you've not thought about it. You've gone right. I'm, I'm a cowboy. All right, All right. Well, you should be only directed to the cowboy wrestler part of the dressing room. <laughs> Where all the cowboy clothes are, and then he picks up his his cowboy hat, his 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 chaps to wear with his trunks, uh, maybe some spurs and some cowboy boots, and then you know either a bull rope, cowbell, uh, branding iron type situation. But no, he's he's just wearing a singlet. He's not thought this through. It's a bit like rock and roll Buck Zumhoff coming out with a boombox and an Elvis jumpsuit, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's better than him coming out with his kids. <laughs> Moving swiftly along. Fuck, <laughs> 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 oh, like we dance around it so often and you just went straight in that time. <laughs> don't, don't. I know what the, the punchline to the, what your last statement is and I'm not making it. <laughs> Let's definitely move along. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff Rates starts with a hip toss and a fireman's carry works on the arm and then a hip toss a slam and a snap mare a knee and an elbow drop a backdrop a suplex and a power slam for the three count it was a um, I put this was a very basic match and it's what you would expect to see if they showcased wrestling briefly in a film yeah yeah it's, it's not a lot I, I gave it the benefit of the doubt just because uh, I don't know what the rest of their TV's like. I, I tend to possibly be a bit harsher on WWE and WCW just because I know what they're doing at the time. But uh, now nah, this was this was just this is like leaving the computer to fight the computer on on night uh, on uh, No Mercy. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it wasn't great. Uh, we go to a commercial break. When we come back, we've got Terry Gordy, Blackbird Parsons, and Buddy Jack Roberts cutting a promo on the Von Erics. Um, they say they want the six-man belt. So I'll splice some of this in. It's not the best, but um, you'll get a bit of an idea of what the promo situation was in world class at this point in time. Okay, it's time now to enjoy some special interviews now. 
regarding issues coming up from the world-class stars here at Reunion Arena. You are looking at the new six-man world tag team champion standing right here, and I'm talking about Buddy Jack Roberts, our good friend, the Blackbird, and none other than myself, Terry Bam Bam Gordy. And I'd just like to say this. I know a lot of you people out there in Texas are getting tired of looking at fighter eggs, and we're getting tired of looking at fighter eggs. And I think the best thing we all can do is gather up some money and go down to the nearest motorcycle shop and buy them all motorcycles so we don't have to worry about Von Erics anymore because they can't walk and chew gum at the same time, much less ride motorcycles. Hey, you know what? Hey, Bam Bam and Ice, I'm not a betting man, but if I were you people out there and wanted some extra spending money for Christmas time and the New Year's, you better put your money in us, because there's no doubt we're the best six-man team around. It's a pleasure to have Iceman, the Blackbird, on our side. Tell them about it, Blackbird. What you hey, like they said, see, we've been knowing about you people down here for a long time. They tell me all y'all know down here is get it up and roll. All you suckers know how to do is ride horses. And you, Chris Adams, what kind of bird can't fly, sucker? Remember, today is Christmas, and we got one hell of a surprise. Can you dig it? Have mercy. I would say that a lot of the good speakers have possibly moved to pastures new. I would think so. We then go to footage of them erecting a steel cage, which appears to be about five foot eight. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, somebody didn't measure it properly. It's a, it's a proper spinal tap moment. Yeah, it's um, far smaller than the UFC octagon in height, which should give you an idea. Yeah, it's, it's more of a steel fence. We, um, this is a match for the six-man tag team titles, though I don't think I saw any belts, did you? No, I didn't see anyone bring any bells down. So, not 100% sure on who's getting what here. It's the Freebirds, um, Roberts and Gordy, no Michael Hayes, um, taking on, oh, sorry, with Iceman King Parsons, taking on Steve Simpson, Chris Adams, and Kevin Von Erich. So, a real mishmash of personalities here. Yeah, all of them I literally couldn't give a fuck about. Yeah. We get a six-man brawl, um, and then... They eventually break off and we go to tag team rules and a lot of stalling. Terry Gordy hits a slam and a clothesline. Bobby, Buddy Roberts uh, stomp. Um, then we get... Um, sorry, we get a, a crisscross between Buddy Roberts and Steve Simpson. Um, it wins me over because I'm a sucker for a good crisscross, but the match itself is definitely far from over. <laughs> no, it's, it's still going. You... you... Crisscross is the highlight of possibly the show. <laughs> we get a drop kick and a top rope axe handle. Um, shouldn't go to the top rope with a cage this small because it shows how bad it is. Uh, Terry Gordy hits a back suplex. Chris Adams hits a back suplex and a roll up. We get an Enziguri, a second top rope axe handle this time from Steve Simpson. Um, Gordy hits a snap suplex. He's probably the real standout in this match. Um, he was definitely the the star of the show here. We get a big clothesline from Parsons and a slam. Terry Gordy hits a clothesline. Kevin Von Erich comes in and clears the ring. Um, drop kicks all three. We get a six-man brawl once again. Chris Adams hits a super kick, and Kevin Von Erich comes off the top with a splash for a one, two, three. And they are, I believe, 
they're going to stay tag team champions, but I'm not. Again, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Uh, there was a finish, and somebody had belts. Was what I took away from the end of this because they didn't do a very good job of highlighting who was what with who. Yeah, it's one of these things where if you're not watching it every week and you don't know all the storylines, they didn't know, like they they didn't cater to the viewer coming in for the first time. I'm guessing because there wasn't too many new viewers coming in at that time. Quite possibly, but I, I think wrestling certainly, even now, uh, even with Raw, there's a certain level of this could be somebody's first show. Yeah, which is, you know, it can annoy you when they do it from hour one to hour two, but from week to week, it's definitely understandable. These recaps really help. Yep, yep. Uh, I literally had no idea why they had beef with each other on this show. It's just, there's nothing to, to give that information up. From there, we go to our big main event. Kerry Von Erich is challenging Al Perez for the World Heavyweight title. I kind of got my hopes up stupidly when they talked about Kev- Kerry Von Erich getting a shot at the World title earlier and thought, oh, shit, we're not going to see, like, Kerry versus Ric Flair or something here, are we? But no, it's um, Al Perez, the world-class heavyweight champion. It, it's, a, it's a bit of a drop. Terry Gordy comes out and gets on the mic and says he should be the number one contender. And then he and Kerry brawl. Buddy Roberts comes out too and Fritz is out there because he was supposed to be handcuffed to... Um, who was he supposed to be handcuffed to? Did you catch that? Uh, again, no. Not enough info. Yeah. Um, but anywho, the heels come out for a beatdown. Fritz holds his own 1v3 against three of the top heels in the company for a while. Um, bef- Somebody's been talking to Vern. Yeah, before they eventually cut him off um, and cuff him to the, the ropes, Kevin finally comes out to, to um, help. It's I did like the realism that he comes out, obviously appearing to have been showering. Um, the ring clears. Kerry and Kevin brawl with the heels in the crowd. Al Perez, um, he's basically, he's getting getting out of this. He, he's, he doesn't want any part of the match now. He leaves as Kerry and Kevin try to sort of help Fritz. Um, They help him out the ring, and Fritz collapses. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, there's an ambulance to take Fritz, and the camera has gone to the hospital, which they throw live to in a very classy segment, and Kevin and Kerry don't want to talk. Um, It it just wasn't good. Um, We go back to Kerry in the arena, supposedly at a later date, and he says he wants to do the cage match all over again, but they're out of time. So, yeah, I just couldn't follow this at all. If they could get to him at a later date at the arena, why didn't they give us an update on Bloody Fritz? Is he dead? Is he still alive? What's happened? I uh, I think this is one of the infamous angles that possibly put the, the final nail in the coffin for WCCW was the uh, Fritz playing on the fact that three of his kids had died by this point or whatever it was. I... Uh, I thought it was weird. It's just that they're trying to be believable and then they allegedly got a camera in a hospital and then all of a sudden one of them teleports back to the ring and time travels on a program that I thought was supposed to be, well, if not live, but that week, you know, it was just, it was a mishmash and I, I think they could have got more out of it if they'd not tried to do the heart attack angles, which never worked. They were going to do a follow-up with Kevin or Kerry or whatever, days after to see how everything was gone. Would they not get him as a sympathetic baby face still in the hospital to give us an update from the doctors? That makes far more sense that uh, I've not left here for four days. My dad's at death door. 
by the way, do you remember my brothers that died? Yeah, it's like, no, I'm back in the arena. Everything's grand. I fucking want my title shot. Yeah, yeah. It was just all very uh, kind of the the sort of like pacing of it was a bit weird. And also like how it felt. I'm trying to think of the word and it's gone out of me. Yeah, well, if, if Kerry doesn't care enough to be by his dad's side and he's not bothered getting on with life, you know, two minutes after we just saw the most serious angle in history, why would I care at home? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- th- what they should... I mean, I mean uh, rewriting it, they, they should have had the Von Erichs disappear and the heels run roughshod because the Eriks, Von Erichs have got better things to do yeah. than, uh, than, than do, do wrestling because their dad's ill, but that's, that's, that's wrestling, in it? Logic, indeed. So, overall thoughts, what did you think about the show, Richie? Garbage. <laughs> yeah, I um, can second that one. This one was pretty awful. This was possibly... Oh, we'll wait till we've talked about them all, but it was up there. It was in the contention to be the worst of the four. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely... I think it possibly earns that for me. I, I just... It, it doesn't flow very well. I think... It doesn't do anything to make me want to watch the other, the, the next one. Even the heart attack angle doesn't make you want to know anything about it. I just they spend time building a cage. It's it's just all a bit sad, really. Yeah, I agree. Um, what did which show did you watch next? Oh, I went AWA. Oh, goody, goody, goody. Let's head over and have a look at the AWA, shall we? Yes, well, you know, it wouldn't be one of these if we didn't go and have a little a little bit of what uh, Vern's doing in his area. Vern Gagne presents All-Star Wrestling. Featuring the greatest wrestling talent from the American Wrestling Association, the Major League of Professional Wrestling. So, AWA All-Star Wrestling starts out with a almost like a WrestleMania 1 style intro video, but it looks like it's been recorded on an old VHS tape. I, I wondered if they'd actually somehow used the WrestleMania 1 and they'd recorded it using some form of uh, ancient camcorder. It's 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 trying. It's one of them things. If you if, if if you try, and it looks shite, and you could have done it a different way, you're probably better off doing it the different way. Probably would because it, it looks better. Probably wouldn't try and copy what my competitors did two years prior either. No, and certainly not with half the budget. Mm. But of course they are not really copying. It's all their own idea because they are the major league in professional wrestling. They are. They mention it, uh, well, maybe the once, uh, a minute. <laughs> we go to um, our op- uh, commentators. It's Larry Nelson. And what was this guy's name? It was like Greg Robb or something. Gary Ron? Gar- Gary, yeah, okay. Um, and they're reading off a fucking piece of paper on the camera. They've got like all, everything they're saying is written down in their hand. Yeah, it's it's not a slick look. They're not even pretending that it's the, uh, that night's run sheet or uh, 
what what's occurring. It's just yep, these are these are maligned. And the fucking pair of bell ends ruin the main event, telling us the result of Kurt Hennig and Nick Bockwinkle, which they're gonna show us later. What a pair of twats. Oh yeah, I'm pretty certain at least one of them's drunk, if not both of them. <laughs> They show us a studio, which look, looks like just a big industrial shed with 12 rows of, of seats in it. Again, it's it's not Madison Square Garden, is it? It's not fucking my back garden, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was my back garden, because uh, it'd be fucking smaller to mow. <laughs> we go to um, Shawn Michaels taking on Frankie DeFalco. Um, so, yeah. Marty Jannetty's with him on the outside they're still the midnight rockers at this point and I just write what the fuck are Marty Jannetty's sunglasses what were they you know what I've pretty much got that his shades are brutal I think it just goes to prove even at this point he can't help but uh, cause himself problems he just self-destructs even when buying shades In the ring, we get some chain wrestling and an arm drag by Sean. A backslide for a two, a slam, and he works over the arm. The commentators tell us we're watching the Major League in professional wrestling, and they've got the most scientific and popular wrestlers in the world. Yes. Uh, I call bullshit. So scientific, they all come out with fucking pocket protectors. Like, what does that mean? Oh, it's it's just... <laughs> the, the the commentators are... Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure whether they've actually seen wrestling before. <laughs> we get a slam from Frankie, uh, but misses a second elbow. Um, Sean hits a second rope fist drop, and that's enough for the one, two, three. And Rod tells us that was Dano, mate. Yeah, no, it was it was all right. <laughs> I mean, a young Sean's good to watch because he's 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 not. You can kind of see he's got the same level of swagger, but it's it's a lot a lot muted. Uh, so it's always it's pretty good. It's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Larry Nelson. It's not Cowboy Tony. No, it's not. Thankfully, <laughs> Larry Nelson is with the Rockers, and they cut an awful promo um, on um, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. So yeah, the Rockers definitely didn't have their speaking game on just yet. No, uh, I think HBK's uh, promo style is the better, the more of a dick he is. <laughs> yeah. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, it's time for an absolute barn burner. It's Mike Richards taking on the Super Ninja with Larry Zabisco. Yes! (laughs) The match starts with some very basic strikes and chokes from the Ninja, and Lord Lord Blears um, says, if you've read anything about Japanese history, you'll know how this organization was formed. Sorry, what? (laughs) What are you talking about, man? He's... uh... Well, you need to elaborate, not just, just say, you know, go read some Japanese history. There's probably quite a lot of Japanese history. <laughs> exactly. Where do I start, you dickhead? We get a chop and a nerve hold, followed by a super kick and a dragon suplex for a three count. So the finishing move was actually all right. Um, and then Rod is with Larry Zabisco, the ninja, and Mr. Saito. And they challenge Greg Garnier, Nick Bockwinkle, and Ray Stevens as we go to a commercial break. Not a match I'm looking forward to. No, won't be watching that one. <laughs> no, not at all. Larry Nelson and um, Gary are again talking about this the next match, um, which just pisses me off once again. It's Kurt Hennig and Nick Bockwinkle. Um, we join it in progress, and Kurt's already bladed massively, and Nick's going to the beatdown. Um, 
send him hard into the apron and into the post. Um, we faintly hear a timer countdown. Kurt's got um, a couple of axe handles for a two. There's five minutes left. Um, goes at it again. The referee counts a one before realizing um, he was face down. <laughs> so some poor refereeing there. Um, Kamala pin style there. We get the 10 turnbuckle spot, a vertical suplex for a two and an elbow for a two. Kurt locks in the figure four as the countdown starts and we have a draw. It was very violent and intense, um, but don't think I could have watched that for an hour, which is what the time limit was, apparently. No. Uh, I've watched the Iron Man match with uh, Sean and Brett, and it's not all that in a bag of crisps. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't want to watch these two at it, even though I mean, it's impressive that they manage it. The uh, the other thing is, does does everyone use the figure four? Is it just... It seems like the one move that anyone can use, like in a, in a sport. Well, uh, let's call it a sport where everyone has their own individual finisher, except Ric Flair, one of the biggest stars, and then everyone uses it. Yeah, I think it was um, like the submission version of the DDT. Everybody was using a DDT not long after Jake Roberts made it popular as well, weren't they? Yeah, I just think it kind of well, it does make it less impressive. Or, or less impressive, a bit like today's super kick. Oh, God almighty. <laughs> Super kick party. Great. Yeah. Um, Kurt cuts a decent promo talking about his goals for the new year. Um, it's interesting to see him, like, even before he had the Mr. Perfect character, he was still a decent talker always. At this time, I'd like to bring out here that we're all very familiar with. Kurt Henning, let's review 1986. A frustrating year for you, but at the end of it, New Year's Eve, we saw you on ESPN go the entire route, 60 minutes with a world champ. You know, you say 1986 was frustrating. I have to disagree with you in a way on that. 1986, Scott Hall and Kurt Henning, we put our nose to the grindstone. We went for the heavyweight championship belts of the world. We succeeded in getting them belts. Well, when Summers and Rose came on, and De Beers came up behind and cost us for them titles, we never got a rematch. Well, Scott and I, we didn't come out and we didn't cry and moan. We kept our nose on that grindstone. We kept working out. We kept striving for the top. And now I worked my way up to finally get the shot with Nick Bockwinkel. The thing I've been wanted since I was a little kid, since I've watched professional wrestling when my father was in it. Well, Nick Bockwinkel, I took 27 stitches in the head. And now I'm going to Japan this week, and I'm going to be gone for five weeks. And I'm going to wrestle all the top wrestlers from all over the world are coming to Japan for this big tournament. And Nick Bockwinkel, when I get back from Japan, I'm going to be like a racehorse. I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. I'm going to have the most determination I've ever come on with. And in 1987, whoever is holding the heavyweight championship belt of the world, Kurt Hennig is going to get it. Yeah, although I think he was probably not telling the entire truth for his plans for the new year because surely one of them would be get a uh, contract in Connecticut. Yep, I think you are correct, sir. We then go to Rick Gartner taking on Superfly Jimmy Snooker. So this was cool. I was happy to see the Superfly here in the AWA. I wasn't expecting Superfly. It was kind of a little bit sad, really, thinking that uh, not that long ago we were watching him in the WWF and this is where he, uh, he went to. But then I remembered he potentially killed his girlfriend, so I was less sad. Yeah, yeah. And um, speaking of falls from grace, during the opening of this match, I can actually see uh, there's only about 12 rows in this place, but on the hard camera, there are fucking dozens of empty seats. Oh, yeah. It's, again, 
and I think we had this at one of their other shows. Don't show the empty seats. It's there's nothing looks worse than oh no, not not everyone can be bothered going. Yeah, it's terrible. The match itself's not much better either. We get lots of stalling and a headlock from Ricky Gartner. Um, Superfly hits a leapfrog and a couple of arm drags before Gartner powders. Super, uh, Superfly gets a headlock takedown and a flying forearm and the big Superfly splash for the one, two, three. So we got what we all came to see at least. Yeah, I mean, Vern has maybe learnt his lesson on some of the other uh, shows we've seen and actually let the big baby face win. Indeed. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Larry Nelson sends us to the next match, which is Playboy, um, Buddy Rose, and Doug Summers with Sensational Sherry taking on Earthquake Ferris, not Earthquake, unfortunately, and Tom Rocky Stone. What a generic name. Oh, God. So, so many things wrong. First start, the two, uh, is it Playboy, Buddy Rose, and, I don't know, Party Animal... Doug Summers, yeah. Doug Summers or something. Right. These two, they don't even look like uh, pub tough. They they, <laughs> they, they, they they just look like shit. Uh, but I'm supposed to think that they're they're playboys. He's not a fucking playboy. What's the um? It's, it, what's the, the the chubby lad, the mate that was on Gavin and Stacey? What's his name? James Corden. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, oh, Smithy. Yeah. See, um, fucking Buddy Rose looks like um, Ricky Morton and him had a baby. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. There's, there's nothing about it that like goes. Yep, we are. I know what the the gimmick they're trying to play. It's just like why why were they allowed to pick it? Oh, it's yeah. It's um, it's pretty terrible. The match itself is. Much the same. We get uh, Buddy Rose trying a shoulder block, but it's no sold. Earthquake Ferris hits a power slam and an elbow for a two. Um, <laughs> but, sorry. Um, Rocky Stone hits a headlock takedown. Earthquake Ferris hits a shoulder and a slam. Doug Summers comes in and hits a back suplex. Buddy Rose takes the corner whip and the heels double team. And Ricky Summers hits... Sorry. Rocky Stone hits a knee drop for a two. Buddy Rose nails a DDT for the one, two, three, and we're out. Good fucking God. Yeah, out to a commercial, I should say. Not finished, by the way. And <laughs> we come back, we do have a little bit more shite to get through first. Gary Robb is with Boris Zukov, who blames Sergeant Slaughter for bombing Iraq and wants to get Sheik Adnan Al Casey home. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Nothing like a nice politically correct promo. Yeah, it was a different time. It was acceptable in the 80s. It was acceptable in the 80s. Buddy Rose and Doug Summers come in for a promo and we go out to a commercial. And then Larry Nelson and Gary Robb sign out as we go to credits and get this shit show over with. Um, Rather than ask you, did you enjoy it? Did you think this was better or worse than World Class? Slightly better. There's a couple of things at the end of the show I particularly liked is... Uh, the promo between the playboy and the other one. One's dressed and the other one's wearing his pants. He then shows you his white bits of where he's been tanning. Then he says he's in the best shape of his life and he's 210 pounds. There is no fucking way he's five pounds <laughs> above the 205 live limit. <laughs> That's the best. It's the blow away diet, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, I, 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 mostly, 
most of you inflate your weight, but but no, because you're fat, you've you've lowered it to something ridiculous. And then at the end, I can't remember which one it is. I think it's Larry Nelson is is basically flirting with the camera about something. I can't remember what he's talking about. It was good. Well, I know, but I can't tell you. <laughs> uh, and I'm just expecting him to like get a martini out and finish it off, and then wink in the camera. <laughs> so bad. Oh, it's it it. It's just production levels that they just don't seem to bother with. We've had two shit shows. One decent, and then one that I really enjoyed. Unfortunately, that's not the order I watched them in. I watched the one I really enjoyed first, and it all went downhill. And the last one on the list is Saturday Night's main event. Um, should we go over and have a look at that? Yep. Yep. This is, uh, I know it must have been better, because I've got a lot more notes. Mm. Hulk Hogan, you've got nowhere left to go. You've got nowhere left to run. And pal, you got nowhere left to hide. Hulkamania dies tonight! <laughs> nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, Mr. Wonderful. I like that idea, man. The Supreme Court of Professional Wrestling. The cage, man. Let it be the judge. And if a mere mortal man like Hulk Hogan goes down, let it be. But Hulkamania, Mr. Wonderful, will live forever. Ronnie Piper, do you remember when you did this to Adrian Adonis? Tonight I'm back, and it's payback time for adorable Adrian. Happy New Year, Ronnie. George the Animal Steel, just what tonight do you have in store for the World Wrestling Federation's Intercontinental Champion, Randy Macho Man Sack? The Brave! Surprise? The Brave! I am the king of wrestling! And the junkyard dog, just like every other man, will learn to bow to me in servitude. Hollerish, you want the dog to bow down to you? The dog don't bow down to no man. No man. It's the Lord. Saturday night's main event starts out with the classic... Um, Promo, 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 promo in quick short order they used to do. So it's Heenan with Paul Orndorff first cutting a promo on Hulk. Hulk in the cage cutting that classic promo looking through the blue bars that we all know and love from our childhood. Jimmy Hart with Adrian Adonis cutting a promo on Piper. George Steele cutting one on the Macho Man. Harley cutting one on the JYD. JYD replying and then some classic Fed music to open the show. This was great. Perfect. It's... uh... You, you, you almost forget it's the same year as the other two we've just watched. Yeah, it's like Back to the Future here, big time. Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura run down the card, and I'm thinking, thank Christ, a proper commentary team again. And it's Bobby Heenan and Paul Orndorff out with... Uh, sorry, Bobby Heenan and Paul Orndorff with Gene for a quick promo. They start with the cage match, Orndorff versus Hulk Hogan. So Saturday's night, Saturday night's main event always started with the biggest match first, which was kind of cool. Um, I guess it went late into the night, and they figured they'd hook all the viewers at the start for as long as they could. And we have Danny Davis and Joey Morella as heel and face referees on the outside of the cage, which was another cool little twist to this one. Certainly uh, stacking the deck. Because you know, d- deep down you know there's probably shenanigans 
in in this because it's Saturday night main event, so they're, they're not going to blow off a feud at that point. But at least they thought about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Gene then is with Hulk for a classic Hogan promo, and he comes out for his entrance and climbs into the old blue cage, which just looked cool as hell. Paul Orndorff jumps him and then starts whipping him with the title belt, which was awesome. Oh, it's, it's, it's a lot more violent than I was expecting. He tries to escape early, uh, doesn't work. Orndorff then goes to town with an elbow and tries again to get out. I love it. It's a real fight at the top um, every time. Hogan trying to chase him and keep him in. Hogan comes back with some punches and a choke and then goes for the door, but Danny Davis didn't have it ready for him like he did for Orndorff, so a cool little heel um, bit of play coming in there. Orndorff comes in with a headbutt, and we have... Uh, I've got here, um, just, I've, my note just says Ventura and Vince on commentary are great. They were really good together. Yeah, it's, uh, I think a lot of people talk about uh, who, who some of the partnerships that they've had, what with Gorilla and Bobby the Brain. Uh, I think that Vince and Jesse are, are definitely uh, up there. I know Vince isn't the greatest commentator in the world, but somehow he, he still manages to pull it off. Yeah, I don't mind him. I thought he was all right. Um, with Jesse, he was great. Um, from there, we have a double cage shot from both of them, so they both go down. Double escape, um, and they both land at the same time with one ref giving the win to each. They brawl along the outside, and we get the match restarted, which was great as we go to a commercial. I wasn't expecting that. I thought that was the shenanigans in question. Paul Orndorff hits a top rope elbow and some knees, a short clothesline, before the Hulkster does what the Hulkster does, and he hulks up. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's time for... He's got his full special on now. Prime 87 Hulk up as he throws Orndorff into the cage three times. Hits a backbreaker and a leg drop. Paul Orndorff is bladed. Hogan climbs and Bobby Heenan comes in to stop him. Paul Orndorff uh, tries as well, but Hogan hits an atomic drop, tosses Heenan into the cage, and then finally climbs out and poses before we go to a commercial break with Hulk with a successful title defense. Um, as openers go, it doesn't get much hotter than this in 1987. No, this is uh, all your eggs in one basket. Let's let's start on a winner, uh, like you said, because it's going on a bit late. Perfect. Uh, I think even Orndorff doesn't lose anything by losing, really. I don't. I, he, he still, I reckon, he can still continue with the food. It's just, you know, it, 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 it was just great. It was. A f- I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too, and it was a good even match. It wasn't just a complete squash from Hulk either. No, no. Again, uh, I think when the Hulk want, or when when it makes sense for him to uh, to give or uh, wrestle. I, th- I think he, he does. I think he's. I think though, and I'm not trying to stick up for Hulk Hogan, but I think he's just very, very clever. I think I actually do think he's very clever at protecting Hulk Hogan. I agree completely uh, on that one. So if he if if wrestling will make the storyline in more money, then then he'll come out and wrestle. If if he's like now, nah, my character would run straight through you. Then unfortunately, you you see in the lights. From there, we go to our next match, which is the Macho Man taking on George the Animal Steel. Macho's still a heel here. And we get a Mean Gene narrated video of the issue at hand, which was quite good. We get a quick promo um, with Liz and Macho. And then Gene is with George Steele, who has a surprise for Liz. Um, he gives her his LJN figure, which was quite cool. Macho Man gets it and tosses it out, as the great heel he is. 
and George Steele gets the match underway with a lifting choke and a slam, um, and then he waves for someone. Macho Man jumps in from behind before we see who that is, slams him and goes up top, but we get some music playing over the PA, and out comes a returning Ricky the Dragon steamboat. George Steele press slams Macho off the top with a distraction and then tosses him to the outside, runs off carrying Liz, and Steamboat wants to fight um, Macho over the bell angle. This was actually pretty hot as far as angles instead of matches go. And considering it's George Animal Steel, I'm happy to have an angle. Yeah, it's... Uh, there's a lot going on at the end of this with what we've... The, the, like George and Liz thing and also Ricky and Macho. It's just... it's. I think it's very clever to, to get all... Because you, you haven't got that much time on this program. I think it's only an hour long. But they managed to get all that in and move all the storylines on. And that's not all, because apparently I was wrong. The match is not over. The referees take Steamboat away. We have a commercial, and we come back, and Ricky Steamboat's back out, um, and now the uh, George Steele is back out as well. Apparently, he wasn't counted out during the commercial. He eats a turnbuckle, slams Macho Man, but Macho sends him into the post. Steele bites him and uses a foreign object and pushes the referee, but none of that earns him a DQ somehow. But Macho Man manages to nail him with the ring bell and pick up the one, two, three. So, not too bad. He then goes up top with the ring bell, and this brings Steamboat out. Steamboat out to make another save, and that's finally the end of the segment. But this was hot from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a great example of how to book a segment like this, so everyone gets over and everyone's storyline is pushed forward. It should really be on uh, on the. Uh, Induction when you become a writer at the WWE currently, I think. Oh, 100%. Gene is then with Bobby Heenan and Harley Race. Um, they show the awesome King Harley coronation with all the heels, and oh my God, that just is perfect, isn't it? It's It does help fuel the conspiracy of wrestlers that were made famous by Vince. Vince McMahon saw Harley Race, arguably one of the uh, toughest men in wrestling, uh, and went, I've had an idea. And then he gave him that. And like Harley's like, no, oh, I suppose I want to get paid, so I'm going to have to do this. Oh, I loved it. I just thought King Harley was brilliant. Um, and it hid his weakness, which he was past his prime well and truly in the ring by now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not looking good. I think we saw him wrestle either last show or the show before, and he was, he was, he was struggling then. Yeah, it's definitely on the way out now. Um we get a promo gene with JYD, um, who cuts a, uh, an average promo. JYD had a lot of charisma, but this just wasn't one of his better showings, in my opinion. No, uh, I, I still don't get him. <laughs> and it's time for Harley taking on JYD. Um, Danny Davis distracts JYD at the start, allowing Harley Race to jump in with a punch and a high knee. JYD comes back with a headbutt before Harley hits a nice belly-to-belly and a falling headbutt. But because it's the 80s and Junkyard Dog is black, the headbutt hurts Harley and not JYD. Well, of course it does. <laughs> it was the style of the time. It was the style at the time. JYD then goes with some headbutts and sends Harley Race over the top. JYD puts on Harley's cap and crown. Bobby Heenan jumps in, but the dog punches him. What a bump from Heenan. An absolute champion of a bump off that punch. It's absolutely amazing. It's uh, the, his bumping is better than than some uh, actual wrestlers bumping. Absolutely, we get a sorry. We get a, a um, Harley race comes off the top. We get a two on one now on JYD, and they try to make him bow as the bell rings. 
Uh, he fights back and then Harley Race bails as Danny Davis holds JYD after not uh, not stopping. Harley Race eats a headbutt and then a big pop as we go to a commercial. So that was that. More of a, Again, more of an angle than a match, but with the two guys involved at the time, probably best to keep it hot and entertaining. Yeah, we, we didn't need to see 20 minutes technical. No. Uh, at this point. We go to Paul Orndorff cutting an angry promo with Bobby Heenan, who says he's going to go to Jack Tunney to get this match reversed because he feels as though he won in the original draw before the restart. Lovely. Keep the keep the uh, feud going. Absolutely. Give him a little something to feel aggrieved, and we've got an angle going forward. Jimmy Hart and Adrian Adonis are now with Gene, and then we get a promo following that, Roddy Piper with Gene. Before going to the next match, Rowdy Roddy Piper taking on adorable Adrian Adonis. Um, so we go to... Um, we, get, we get a knee lift by Piper, and then a corner bump from Adonis. Piper works over the arm, some punches and scratches from Adonis, and then he locks on a sleeper. But they both end up on the outside where they brawl. They nail Jimmy Hart, who gets Adonis's arrogant-style pump, I can't remember what he called it, and sprays it in the eyes. And we have a count-out. Um, Roddy Piper, with his new blinded um, eyes, hip-tosses the referee, and the referee, uh, other refs come out to help. And that's pretty much the end of that one. Bit of a dud, that one. And it's odd, because, uh, you know, Rowdy Ro- Ro- Roddy Piper did a lot of being pinned in the 80s. Oh, hold on. Yeah. No, he's never pinned in the 80s. <laughs> um, we then go to Gene with Hulk Hogan, and I'll splice this one in because it's another good Hulk promo here. Um, but needless to say, he was in peak form in 87. Right there is some celebrating going on of the heavyweight champion of the world right now. Hulk Hogan, come on in. You have got to be delighted with the way you have kicked off 1987. Well, you know, I don't know nothing about the agony of defeat, Mean Gene. Just getting off on the all-natural high of the thrill of victory, man. Everybody in this place knew I had Mr. Wonderful Beat, and I love it, man. I love it. Wait a minute now, Hulk. Everybody save one. I should point out that I talked to Bobby the Brain Heenan and Paul Orndorff earlier on in the program. And Heenan has promised that he is going to take actual footage from your title bout tonight to the World Wrestling Federation president, Jack Tunney. And he claims that Orndorff will be declared the heavyweight champion in less than a month. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mean Gene, everybody knows when they declared it a draw. Danny Davis declared it a draw. I hit the ground first. Then I went on to beat him again. But you know something, Mean Gene? Maybe if they did run the film backwards, like those old cartoons, man, maybe they showed Paul Orndorff leaping off the ground first. He'd never beat me. Well, I'll tell you what, Bobby Heenan is a very devious individual. I don't believe he can be trusted. And who knows what's going to happen up in Toronto at the World Wrestling Federation President Tunney's headquarters. Well, let me put it to you, Mean Gene, and all those Hulkamaniacs, the way it is, brother. I'm getting off on this victory. I don't care what type of controversy Paul Orndorff or Bobby Heenan stir up. I'm looking forward to the new year, new challenges, bigger and better things. Man. All right, happy new year to you, champ. Let's wait and see what happens. Yes, uh, he's got the dust off his nose. <laughs> we then go to our main event. It's Jimmy Jack Funk taking on Black Jack Mulligan. Um this was a fucking shit show. Is this, is this the show. NWA? <laughs> yeah. We've... Is this, it's like two fucking cowboys. This is, this is, this is wrestling, <laughs> not wrestling. We get a 
a bad clothesline from Mulligan as they insert a pre-packaged Mulligan promo in. I'll splice it just so you can see how dead awful it was. We get a backdrop on the floor, a clothesline and an elbow for the one, two, three. And thank God that was short because it was shit. Welcome back, Mulligan, and tonight, it's fellow Texan J.J. Fox. Brother, I'm going to tell you something right now, Gene. The Battle of Texas actually started New Year's night. The annual Mulligan New Year's Eve party was the wildest thing. All the usual stars were there. Slim Gabriel was there. Puss Daniels was there. Earlene Smithers, she uh, started quite a little bit of gossip, showed up with Shorty Daniels. But the activities began, brother, out behind the barn when Aunt Laverne got into the red eye. Right, I punched Uncle Reba Joe in the nose. Be quiet. So I have been battling for Texas. We have decided, ladies and gentlemen, that J.J. Funk does not even belong in the state of Texas. So it's not gonna be much of a battle. I'm gonna go out there and start to, you have noticed I've changed my style considerably. You have indeed. That's right. Oh, calling it a main event is an insult to all main events that have ever occurred ever. It's Yeah. I'm beginning to come, having watched a lot of these, if your gimmick is a cowboy, it's going to be shit. You're going to wrestle like shit. I, I, I can't think of a decent cowboy gimmicked wrestler. I'll maybe give JBL, but he was better when he wasn't a cowboy. Yeah, maybe the smoking guns, but, you know, it's still not great. No, the smoking guns, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're better. But this run of 80s cowboys, they're all garbage. Agree completely. Vince and Jesse um, waivers a happy new year and send us out. So that's the end of that one. By far the most enjoyable of the four shows. But you can't just take my word for it. We have a scorecard to do. So what did you think about Saturday night's main event first, Richie? Uh, really enjoyed it. It's night and day above uh, the other two we'd watched. I didn't really mind AWA, but then I put this one on last, and I was like, "No, no, this is, this is how you do it. This is, this is a, a well-oiled machine right now, doing it properly." I agree. Should we go over and score and see if that holds up across the categories? Yes, because you never know. <laughs> well. We'll head over there now. We've got the Fatal 4-Way. Um, so this throws a little bit of a spanner in the works. I'm interested to see how the scores come out. First up is production value, Richie. And who WWE. did you go with? Perfect. Um, I also went with WWF. And if you watch these four shows, even a couple of minutes of each, you'll see why. Because one looks slick, new, bright, and well-drilled. And the others all look 10 years older than what yeah, they really it's, are. Uh, it's an horrendous mishmash of garbage on the other ones the uh the wwe if you were deaf dumb and blind and played a mean pinball you'd be able to tell that the wwe was better <laughs> crowd um who do you think had the best crowd heat now, on the night let me think that'll be the wwf because they've actually got a crowd <laughs> That is my exact note. They had more people in their arena than the other three combined. If you took all three, doubled them, and then added the biggest number yeah, to them again. Yeah. The the studio in WCW doesn't lend itself to a great crowd anyway, even though there's only about 40 of them. And the other two, I think, are watching. Uh, I don't think WCW really does itself any favours because there's nothing really for a crowd to get involved in. And the AWA, like you say pretty much empty absolutely so who had the best storylines 
I'm going to go WWF. WCW wasn't bad, but I think WWF did a better storyline on the night. I mean, it's difficult with these because they don't really have one running through the show. Yeah, I think the Hulk Orndorff, though, was a peak of a hot angle and they bought themselves the opportunity to go back to it some more. And Macho and George Steele and the return of Ricky Steamboat was a great story. Now, there was some good subtle storytelling with the Four Horsemen in the NWA show, but maybe just the one we picked wasn't like the um, the big reveal or the follow-up or anything like that. It was just sort of in the middle of a, of a slow-ticking storyline. But really, outside of that, there was nothing great advanced on those shows. Um, the storyline with the Von Erichs was an attempt at some epic storytelling that fell flat. And in the AWA, they did pretty yeah. well fuck all. Yeah, the... the, the- there was Kevin Sullivan and and uh, Rick Steiner, but seeing as that, oh yeah, yeah, you're as right. I'd forgotten that again. Uh, I think I think WWF. It's just they were just better. Absolutely, yeah. WCW just wasn't terrible compared to the other two. I guess is the best way we can. They say were it. less rubbish. Um, characters on the night. Who did you think showcased WWF, the best characters? Uh, I, I think. I mean, yeah. you're going to be doing... It's going to be difficult to beat the WWF roster in 87, let's face it. And this is an hour-long show where they're not showing, you know, probably 75 8% of their roster. I mean, we had an hour and a half of WCW, and wrestler-wise, it wasn't great. Didn't see... Uh, we had two... Yeah, two people called number one. Indeed. And two people called uh, number two. I don't two. think there's enough wrestling on, on the other two shows to really... Even start to comp- start to be competitive against the WWF. It's hard to go against the WWF when each of the other shows had people I've never heard of before or yeah. since. Uh, we're not even talking. Oh, I didn't know they had a different character. These are literally people who uh, you could sit next to in an airport and just think it's an old bloke. Yeah, pretty much. Which takes us to our last one, and it's match quality. Who did you WWF. go with? Uh, it, it sounds sounds like it, <laughs> it. It's almost unfair that they're in here. I did think that when I was rec- uh, when we were watching them that uh, they're just so much better than the rest. They're they're not bad matches elsewhere, but this you, you've got Orndorff and Hogan in a cage. In comparison, you've got uh, Larry Zbysko stalling in one of them and you've got bits and bobs of a cage match and Nick Bogwinkle and uh, Kurt Hennig might have been good but you get to see the bit where it runs out of time you just you can't compete the the Hogan match alone wins it I agree completely with all of that WWF in a historical win here on the show beats three other competitors at a score of 10-0-0-0 uh, to use a good football phrase, men against boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to not think about football too much, though, as I try and avoid watching Liverpool and Tottenham, which is going to be a pivotal match in the title race. So come on, Spurs, do City well, a favour tonight. Uh, put it this way. Uh, I think it might be another one of Sky's great uh, build up the match and then it'll be one all. That's, that's what I'm going to go for. Yeah. If Liverpool trounce him, I'm kind of uh, all this. Yeah, yeah I, I prefer uh, a Spurs win myself. Good man. 
Um, so that'll do it for us today. That's the four shows all recapped and done. Um, so as I said to you earlier, we're heading into 88. We've already looked at SummerSlam 88 when you and I did our first show each a little while back, which was very enjoyable. Um, so you need to have a bit of a look over some shows and come up with some ideas and preferably not no, four of them. No, we're safe now. We're past WrestleMania 3. We ain't doing WrestleMania 4. Uh, and uh, I, th- I think it's going to have to be uh, whatever dross I can find <laughs> in the archives on the network. It's going to be uh, maybe you- maybe we can do the the Saturday night's main event where Andre wins the title. Yeah, versus uh, I don't know. A- Is there a, uh, maybe there's a there clash, might be a clash. It might be. AWA, AWA might still be running. I mean, I never know. I mean, I don't think they put any mid south up. Um, that might have gone by then. I just, I would, would have liked to try something uh, different, but you can only do what's on the network, really. Hey, I'm not that interested to try and download it or uh, watch it on Daily Motion because it winds me up. No, I'm not that technologically advanced. If I can't watch it on the on the uh, network, it doesn't often yeah. get. Well, I mean, here. that's assuming that the network actually streams. Uh, like it's supposed to, because obviously, obviously, yeah. I can I can watch Netflix on the same TV I'm watching the network on, but Netflix works all of the time, and the WWE network will drop out at the uh, my, my minorest of coughs near the network signal. I used to have the same issue, but mine's been surprisingly good for a few months now, and I've had mine for a few years. I actually complained to them once, and they basically told me, tough shit, your internet's too slow. Um, to which I had the same response, yeah, but Netflix works fine every time. But no, mine's improved, so hopefully you might get a bump up in the near future and yours might stop I, dropping uh, out every 10 I'm, minutes. I'm kind of looking forward to see if they actually ever update it. Uh, sort of like, it's been around since 2014, and uh, it's like they've done... Will it, they'll add content, but they've not actually done anything else with it. I would like to see them not have the next version of a pay-per-view play, but the next TV episode play. That my, would be good uh, for me. my suggestion, if there was a suggestion box outside Vince's office, would be uh, you should be able to pick a time period and say, I want to watch all the wrestling between then and then, and then just makes a playlist. The search function could do with actually working yeah, as well. That would yeah, be good. yeah, I would like to watch WrestleMania 6. Okay, we have uh, Ultimate Warrior matches, Ultimate Warrior documentary, Ultimate Warrior... Yeah. WrestleMania but, 10. Uh, we won't actually give you the... And if it is WrestleMania, what you'll do is you click on it and realise it's one pissing match. <laughs> but no, that's, um, that's our little... Network wish list. Obviously, coming up soon will be WrestleMania and NXT Takeover New York. So there's lots of good wrestling to watch next week. Um, as far as this podcast goes, I'm going to be reviewing Lockdown and Extreme Rules with Duncan very soon, and I have some Raw and Nitro ep- uh, episodes that I've been meaning to record for a while on the solo. So this episode and a few more will all be coming out in short order, and then we'll all get our wrestling feel off Mania and Takeover very soon. What have you got coming up, well- Richie? Anything much? This WrestleMania has excited me that much. I've actually cancelled my day's leave to recover. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'm not wasting a day's leave. Uh, the idea of it... You just need a day's well, leave to get through the pre-show. <laughs> last year, I, 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 uh, I was going to watch it live and then got very drunk watching the pre-show. So I actually watched it the next day when I was supposed to be recovering. And I think it took me as long as it took my wife to do a day's work, all in all, to watch a WrestleMania. Yeah, it's, it's pretty But I, I'm... 
I'm looking forward to yeah, a few matches. Yeah, I think they'll be good. I think, I think the wrestling's always good. I think it's... You can only take too much. I, uh, over here, if uh, you probably get the same kind of thing. Is It's like when Sky throws show three football matches on a Sunday. And it's usually a derby at 12. Uh, and then it'll be the, the crappier match at 2. And then the, the main match at 4. Uh, and by the main match at 4 comes... I, I love watching football, but I'm like, oh, more... Uh, it kind of all merges into one I always find and Wrestlemania has the same problem and then especially when you add uh, TakeOver which will be so much better we got well, we watched City in Fulham over here last night I had some friends around um, that was a 10.30 kickoff which is the earliest one here so there's very 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 rarely I'm going to then look at the 1 o'clock 1am for me kickoff and go yeah I'll stay up for that when it's Burnley up against Huddersfield yeah, or some no shit like that. that it's uh but I mean, it sounds like I'm knocking it. I'm looking forward to it. It's WrestleMania. It's just uh, I there's that, and then uh, probably playing Red Dead Redemption Two, which I think mostly means you just wander around not doing anything. <laughs> I've never played it. I've been actually playing 2K19 lately, so I that's been I cool. Had a, a wrestling game in ages. I uh, I think I peaked at Here Comes the Pain, and none was ever as good as that. No, I agree with that one, actually. That was always my favourite. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I'm off to go and ice my quad because after retiring from football about seven months ago, I've been dragged into a five-a-side team and we had to play two games back-to-back today. And I think my quad maybe ripped off the bone like Triple H yeah, in a raw did main you, event. Uh, did he continue to the end? Yeah. Yes, I played both games. We won one and we lost one, but it was my team's first win. So You've got to take care of that. this business. <laughs> it's all it's basically all my mates from work and none of them have ever kicked the ball before so there's a lot of running for me <laughs> if we want to win a game but that'll do it for me um thank you once again for jumping on richie we've um, been struggling to catch up at the same time for a while we've both had busy stuff on but it was good to do something a little bit different today and watch all these shows and i'm definitely looking forward to eight where 88 yep, takes looking us. forward to it mate awesome thank you so much and thank you all for listening